0: My name is Ella Gekchidam, I am 20 years old, and I'm the founder of April Technologies. There's no such thing as being too young because you have nothing to lose, especially when you're young, and you can use it as your advantage. I love being a part of this generation that's actually like mobilizing and creating all this change. I would like to see everyone unlocking that sense of urgency, because I feel like once we're all on the same page, a lot more change can happen.
1: Welcome to The Genius Generation, a podcast where we talk to young people doing incredible things in the world of STEM. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Castillo. I'm a science producer, writer, and content creator with a PhD in science communication. And on today's episode, we're talking to Ella Gokchidem, who is a social entrepreneur, climate activist, and the inventor of ePearl, which is a wireless noise-canceling earbud made out of recyclable material. Welcome, Ella.
0: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
1: So Ella, can you give us a brief rundown as to how you came up with ePearl and how does it work?
0: In 2018, when I was a sophomore in high school, I unfortunately endured a severe concussion at the beach. And it made me very noise sensitive after a few months and concussion protocol you have to stay home for a few weeks just to let your brain rest and i probably shouldn't have done this and i wouldn't encourage anyone else to do this but i kind of didn't rest and i just started coding during that time because i just wanted to have something to do for my concussion therapy i had to listen to white noise and whenever i had to listen to it i was like i can't hear anything why is this not in earbuds i went through a bunch of prototypes a lot of bugs and debugged the whole earbud and at the end, I created this file for the earbud product and I started selling them around my high school. And at the time I also realized that there were no earbuds on the market with recycled plastic. And I thought that was really absurd. So I made it out of recycled plastic and that just appealed to a whole new market that in the long run made me go more into climate activism.
1: Yeah, nothing like rusting from a concussion like inventing a new AirPod device. <laughs> Super casual. I know you were saying that you are into sustainability, but why recyclable material?
0: My family is from Turkey and I spent most of my time at the beach on the island that they grow up on. And I always saw the shoreline just completely littered with plastics. And that has been ingrained into my mind ever since I was born. I think that personal aspect, the bad relationship with plastics, really made me more incentivized to put it into the product to see if there was any use out of those trash materials.
1: I think that's super smart. With the designing your earbuds, you mentioned that you were doing coding. So the coding was for the noise canceling aspect of it, correct? Yes. And so how did that process go about?
0: I was able to, through AutoCAD, code this white noise emitting piece and I was able to design a software alongside one of my STEM teachers at school that was able to basically embed the audio file into the piece. Of course, there are a lot of bugs when you're trying to integrate that into the earbuds alongside the whole system. But the thing that really made the wireless earbuds special was that white noise emitting piece, because again, no other company had been doing that before.
1: You mentioned CAD. So CAD, for those that don't know, what does that program do?
0: So for the cutting in terms of like software design, I've taken a class a few years prior to getting the concussion through EDX, MIT's like online platform on AutoCAD software engineering. I was able to embed like the white noise audio file into the software and then add it to the more engineering like architecture side of it into the piece that was emitting the white noise.
1: How do the earbuds look like? Did it look like regular AirPods?
0: Ever since I learned how to swim, I've been obsessed with the clams and that's why the company is called ePearl. So I wanted to make like a case that looked like a clam opening up and then nice. the earbuds like looked like pearls when they are in, because they either came in white or black. So
1: with the development of ePearl, you decided to pursue entrepreneurship to kind of further develop this idea and kind of like pitch this idea. Can you kind of tell us more about that experience?
0: Through my high school there's this organization called Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship and they were the ones who really helped me excel in that space. They basically create this curriculum and they really work with more marginalized communities and to teaching them entrepreneurial skills. I had already designed the earbuds and I went into the course ready to learn more about like distribution and marketing because before I took that class I was the most introverted person ever. I could not speak at all. Through the course, you were able to advance through a regional competition then a national competition, which I advanced to in one runner-up, and that's what really got me the national platform that allowed me to like really pitch April.
1: You quickly kind of glanced over the amount of prototypes it took to get to the final design. So like, what was the biggest setback that you had in reiterating that prototype?
0: Well, first it was finding a manufacturer that would help a high school student with no credit order like 50 earbuds at a time. I'm surprised I ever found a many backers. Super sus, super sus. Very, very. I was like a huge red flag to all these mini factors. <laughs> I reached out to like, I believe 80 at the time, and only two responded. If I didn't have people pushing me to keep going, I would have just given up after like like, like the 79th one. Like it was just For a sure. lot of rejections. So I think that was the biggest hurdle, honestly, because I was like, no one's going to take this. But of course, and then after that, the other hurdle, as you mentioned, was the iterations of the product There were so many bugs, just so many bugs. And I remember I sold it to one of my friends and she's like recording the earbuds. She's like, this isn't working. I'm like, oh my God, I thought it was working. After actually selling it. So like I made sure to sell to my friends first so they would be like honest with me and say like, this is not working when I do this. The 12th earbud was a huge success and the business was only in operation for a year. So I never altered it after that. Right before I pivoted, I created these waterproof earbuds that my friend still uses to this day. She uses them in the shower and when she's swimming, I basically encased the software into like this plastic and I changed the form of it so it could fit into a swim cap because I swam competitively as well. So that was the first iteration and it still works. Yeah, it was a long (laughs) journey.
1: Testing your ear pods with your friends, were there any moments you saw the impact that your earbuds had to people beyond your close community?
0: Yeah, definitely. Actually, a few weeks ago, I got on a call with my high school teacher who actually got me into entrepreneurship. I talked to him for the first time since graduating and his daughter came up and she was like, oh, it's the earbud girl. And apparently like everyone in my county just refers to me as the earbud girl.
1: (laughs) Was that 12th iteration kind of like your biggest aha moment when you realized like, oh my goodness, I finally like, I finally did
0: it. It makes me emotional Thank you. I remember like holding it in my hand and I was like, Oh my God, like, <laughs> this is it. Like i spent so much time literally risking my concussion, like a healing bath, just coding this and now it's working. And then I just had this feeling like, okay, this is going to get somewhere. Like this is what's going to get me into this field. Yeah, it's a
1: huge accomplishment, a huge thing to overcome. But I think it's really interesting in terms of you had this workable product and you're able to pitch it into like national platforms, but there was a moment in your time that you decided that this wasn't it. This wasn't what you wanted to do.
0: And like the more time passes, the more I'm open about it. There were some embarrassing moments where at the national competition, after every round that I advanced, I just went back to my room and started crying. Looking back, I'm like, it's because I didn't. it didn't feel right. I work really well when I'm passionate about something. And once that kind of dims down, and this applies to everybody, then you don't work as well on that business. So after I pitched on the national stage and I won runner up, I was like, I am literally at that second, I was like, pivot, look, I'm
1: done. It may sound cheesy, but listening to your gut really tells you, you just know, you just have the inkling feeling of like, okay, this isn't it.
0: Yeah, I just, I feel like it wasn't aligning with my views anymore, the bigger it got. And also, I just thought that I learned so much about myself and it was my time to like step onto the next part of my career
1: yeah, so speaking of stepping into that new path of your career, you got really involved in kind of like climate activism. I know that you actually worked in development of like a mini documentary that really helped influence some policy back in your hometown.
0: The origin of Ypres was always the island. It's called Afsha. Everything I've ever done, I always tie back to my experiences on the island. So stepping out of Ypres. I got into climate activism and created this short film because my island was going through a huge environmental catastrophe called Sea Mucilage. After the short film got to the district that was looking over the Marmara Island chain, they decided to onboard a youth policy advisory council. They were able to basically garner the attention of these universities in the coast of Marmara and they're building this to tap water conversion center and it's just creating so many amazing things in my hometown that I always wanted to do. And that was just by using my platform. I think what's important from this story,
1: especially as someone who is considered a minority in the States, but still like, because we have our ties to like a different country, using the platform and the resources that we have in America to kind of like continue to uplift our community that we're still connected with through our families. And so I think it's really amazing that you're still able to kind of like incorporate what you've learned through your entrepreneurship journey and give it back and connect that knowledge to what they're doing on your island. And so I commend you for that. Your invention of Epro happened around high school. What are you up to these days and what are your future visions?
0: I am a sophomore in college, which is crazy. I'm working on establishing the first marine protected area in the Marmara Sea. I believe I'll still be in this field for the next 10 years or 20. It's what I love doing, so I'm excited to see where it takes me.
1: That's so incredible of what you accomplish and what you're going to set to accomplish at such a
0: young age. Were there any moments where you felt empowered because of your age? In 2019, when Greta Thunberg came to D.C. for the climate hearing, I was fortunate enough as a member of Zero Hour to be in the room as she was testifying. There was Jamie Margolin, who's the founder of Zero Hour, and I remember she said, I can't wait to be in your chair right now and to actually make change. And I realized like we have so much time ahead of us. There's so much change that's gonna happen in our lifetimes and we will be in the chair of power. That just made me feel so empowered. I love being a part of this generation that's actually like mobilizing and creating all this change. On that note, what would be the one thing you wanna see change in the world? One thing I would like to see is everyone just kind of acknowledging the environment they live in. One thing I would like to see change in the world is everyone unlocking that sense of urgency to tackle the issue, because I feel like once we're all on the same page, a lot of more change can happen.
1: I'm really optimistic after our conversation. I'm so lovely to meet you, Ella. I am inspired by you and I'm really excited to see where else your climate activism takes you and your education and your passion for the environment that we live in. And so thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast.
0: Thank you so much for giving me the time to tell my story. It was so nice being able to talk to you guys. (laughs) Thank you so
1: much for listening this week's episode of Genius Generation. Make sure to tune in next week to hear our next guest and all the incredible things that they're up to. We'll see you next time. Funding for The Genius Generation comes from the Arthur Vining Davis Foundations, investing in our common future. Support for Trax comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.
0: This is Trax from PRX.